It's Coonscapades episode 1 million. Still hanging by a thread in this ham radio hellscape. That's right, we're back from our ham radio hiatus. Our CB signals have suffered and our truck stop road residency has gone to ruin. But good news, the crankshaft of the gondola gears are grinding again. KC Classic is backed, vaxxed, and virile. The truck stop uh, road residency was fun while it lasted. It was fun it was. while it was lasted. While it lasted, I'm missing those truck stop showers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never knew what you were going to get when you jumped into those. Electrocuted. Yeah. yeah. Ice yeah. cold. Ice cold. I'm missing. I'm missing. Maybe those... a friend. Maybe find a friend in there. Find mm. find a friend or or <laughs> or a non friend. Uh, missing showers, those. Uh, the showers were handy. <laughs> they yeah. sure were. A lot of time. We've been spending a lot of time on the the road. Handy indeed. I'm missing those hands. Uh, but yeah, we're back. Things are getting back to normal. <laughs> Almost. Little by little. Little by little. Little by Slightly. little. Who's all Who's all back? You, you two are both fully waxed and vaxxed, full immunity. I'm, I'm not waxed, but I am vaxxed. Yeah. Waxed, vaxxed, and relaxed. Over I could here. use a wax. So we should probably start our own waxing services now that everybody's getting back into action. Absolutely. I think, I, I think that's something that those truck stop showers could have used. Yeah. Post-shower yeah. waxing. I agree. For pre-shower, maybe. <laughs> so you guys are fully vaxxed and and not waxed. I'm half vaxxed and half waxed. Half waxed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one side. You chose the half wax mm. in the last treatment. Yeah. Half wax. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's part of it. When you get the shot, they ask you. If, if you'd like any personal grooming in addition to the dose. For your next shot, you'll get the other half. Yeah. Yeah. Seems I'll be like ready. A, seems legit. Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice extra they're offering at the Moscone uh, vaccination hub in the city. I, I, I must have missed that uh, booth. Uh, yeah. What happened? Hub. It's, a, it's a little <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> What happened today? Well, I'm I'm happy to be back here for uh, what are we, are we calling this a quarter episode? Oh yeah, yeah, ninety-eight point two five. But it does. It's a it's a feels like a millionth episode. Right. I was adding in all those ham radio CB oh sure. uh, episodes we were doing, but those shouldn't. Those episodes are you know they're just in the ether. They're not recorded. They're lost. Yeah. Very true. I think they're non-fungible, maybe. Non-fungible. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely non-fungible. They count, they're, but they're not. They're not officially on the road to 100, which is us. Right. Right. Inching toward Coonscapade's 100th episode. Yes. It's been a weird year. Well, over a year now. So we're just we're inching toward it yeah. and hoping that we get to do some in-person episodes on the road to 100. Indeed, yeah. We're worming our way there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. 
So here we go. Let's we're just popping in with a quick quick episode, uh, quarter episode, one eighth of a laundry load, one sixteenth, I guess, of a washer and dryer load. The fuck are you talking about? And we're talking about May thirteenth in this day today, and we have a great birthday, uh, Stevie Wonder, who was born as Steveland Judkins on May 13th, 1950 in Saginaw, Michigan. Happy birthday, Stevie. Happy birthday. Steveland. 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 Yep. Who would have known? Never knew. Steveland Morris. Yep. Steveland Morris Hardaway, May Judkins, AKA Stevie Wonder. Happy birthday. We couldn't get through without you. And yeah, happiest returns. Hey, we got a death day also. Ooh. Hans Klein. Yikes. Uh, keeled Yikes. over <laughs> due to a heart attack on May 13th, 1962. And I'm, the, the most interesting thing to me was that he was, his early work was as a cartoonist and bar decorator. Oh. I think we may have Ooh. talked about this before. Anyway. Some of his some of his his portraits of patrons still line the walls of the Mineta Tavern in Greenwich Village to this day. Oh whoa! I want to check that out. Sorry, there you Franz. go. That's a hot tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get over to the Mineta Tavern. That's uh... yeah. Great. That is a hot tip. I'm loving that tip. I never knew. I would love to go check that out. Check it out. Put it here first. There you go. Yeah. He must not have been very old when he died. 62. He was born in 1910, so yeah, early 50s. Yeah. R.I.P. Okay, here is here's something uh, in terms of history of the day, and this this date was uh, debatable. I, I heard I saw it listed a few as a few different dates, but it seems like May 13th came out on top. So May 13th, 2012, was the occasion of Japanese artist Mao Sugiyama serving up his penis and testicles to customers at an event hall. He had his, well, let's see, I can, I can read out the tweet that he sent in advance of this. Please retweet, I'm offering my male genitals full penis testes scrotum as a meal for 100,000 yen. I will prepare and cook as the buyer requests at his chosen location. He ended up hosting and doing the cooking himself with several guests who got to eat the actual penis meat. Uh, There were some other folks in attendance who, there wasn't enough to go around, so they ate some alligator and beef that was prepared. And same difference. It tastes just like chicken. They all taste like chicken. No, is that spicy or not? Let's I see. don't. I don't like spicy. Hey, yeah. Josh, you ever tried penis meat? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? You know, I've been meaning to, but um, looks like I missed the boat on this one. Yep. Sorry. Um, a little more background. So. <laughs> 
yeah, Sugiyama is a self-described asexual and believed that he didn't need these parts of his anatomy to continue to accomplish his work. Um, I guess about 70 people showed up to the banquet, but then there were the five people who specifically got dibs on the main course. And there was some music, there was a panel discussion, and then Mao cooked up the meat for the attendees. Uh, and there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's yeah, I do. I remember sad. when this happened. I remember when this happened. And yeah. Yeah. That's it's what crazy. they said when they, uh, they uh, brought the plates to the table. There you have it. There you have it. Yep. He had the. He had his penis, testes, and scrotum surgically removed in March on his 22nd birthday and then kept them frozen for two months beforehand. <laughs> I do recall this because it kind of stuck out. Um, <laughs> you know, as an <laughs> interesting piece of art news at the time. <clears throat> uh, I'll, read a, I'll just read a little bit more about the taste and the legal repercussions. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking about, actually. I was wondering if they interviewed um, some people, some of the lucky customers. And I do remember that there were some legal, potential legal issues. I don't know if anything happened with them, but yeah. Correct. So, okay, photos of the prepared meal show a sliced penis, a sliced testicle, and scrotal skin with three millimeters of pubic hair for garnish, parsley, and button mushrooms. Unfortunately for diners, the meal was apparently underwhelming. Some described it as having a rubbery texture and bland taste. And I have a quote from managing Cul culinary director of Serious Eats. This is, this is an older article. So, well, J. Kenji Lopez, all who many people know culinary uh, star in star and culinary circles, read about the less than satisfying entree and wrote to Calorie Lab, which apparently had uh, a longer de description of the event, saying, the chef didn't cook it right. What a waste of a perfectly good penis. Penis is pretty tough and needs to be slow cooked, either sous vide or in a braise. So could have could have uh well and there's there's no there's no notes for improvement next time because yeah that's it yeah. at the time mal made a joke that removing his genitals lowered the chances of him ever being charged with indecent exposure unfortunately the banquet was considered just that many concerned citizens complained to the suginami police um the tokyo district public prosecutor's office received criminal papers against Mao and three others involved with organizing the event. But since cannibalism isn't illegal in Japan, Sugiyama couldn't be arrested for serving his genitals. However, an indecent exposure charge could result in two years of jail time and a fine up to the equivalent of $32,000. I don't think that ever came to pass. I don't think but, it did either. Yeah. I think they just kind of forgot about it. It's like, yeah. let them have their fun, you know? Let yeah. me live. Absolutely. Let do me my, live. I just want to do my thing. Yeah, 
talk about a once in a lifetime dining experience. Let's have a drink. And I think you'll both Please. be relieved to hear that we are going to have a real drink. One that wow. is actually not toxic, can be sipped, can be enjoyed. Uh, many, many listeners know of our pal and Coonscapades alumnus, Martin Painter and Mariner Martin Machado. And he reached out to me to help make a cocktail for a friend's small wedding gathering recently and it's using it was using some cider that marty brewed in the santa cruz mountains and it also has amazing bottle label artwork by his son sage who apparently loves spider-man so spider-man i love you on the bottle label so So i came up with a cocktail using marty's delicious cider and we're gonna call it marty's mountain medicine it has a half ounce of hibiscus tea so just tea brewed from dried hibiscus half ounce of lemon juice three quarter ounce of strawberry syrup which is just equal parts strawberry water and sugar boiled down and then strained two ounces of bourbon and two ounces of the machado family cider and it's delicious uses springtime produce and yeah check it out and if you're lucky maybe you'll get your hands on a bottle of the machado family cider during next year's bottling there is one little secret ingredient on the cider though i heard i heard rumor has it Mm. uh, that it was brewed with uh there was a a fish in the brew so there's a little, little something there there's a few scales that get caught in your caught in your teeth from time to time, but it's it, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's the price hey, you pay. I'll take Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. Let me tell you, I've had worse <laughs> on this show. I've had worse. So. <laughs> oh, you we've sure had have. it all. <laughs> I can't believe we keep coming back to this bar. The kind of stuff we get served. Well, because you never know. You never know. Once in a while, I'll give you something real tasty. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Bouts of getting potentially poisoned. So, you're welcome. And thanks, Martin Machado, for this, yeah, delicious. Well, while we anticipate this, uh, what are we calling this thing? Marty's Mountain Medicine. All right, Marty's Mountain Medicine. We got some art news. Yeah. We got some art news we got to get to. Yeah, let's do this. All right, here's the art news we got for our, what do we call this, an eighth episode? Quarter up. Yeah, quarter up. Hockney. David Hockney hates on NFTs, thinks Beeple's a bonehead, arsehole artist. Beeple's a bonehead, arsehole artist. Did you hear that? Did you you hear that, Beeple? (laughs) Waldy and Bendy's Adventures in Art Podcast. Waldy and Bendy's Adventures in Art podcast. Huh? Hmm. Adventures in Art. That's interesting because that is the literal translation for Kunskapades. I don't know about these Waldy and Bendy fellas or people. It's questionable, but they are they are they uh, 
I mean, they got Hockney. They got a hold of Hockney for for an interview, so they they got some kind of cred, I guess. But have they gotten a hold of Banksy? I mean, let's face Good it. Question. Good question. I'd say we're on top. We're on top of Waldy and Bendy. But hey, yeah, Waldy yeah, and Bendy's yeah. adventures the, in our the failing Waldy and Bendy's. Yeah, their their ratings are at an all-time low. I heard. <laughs> anyway, while on the pod, David Hockney didn't beat around the bush. He says. I think it's ICS, International Crooks and Swindlers. The artist also... Whoa. Yeah, ICS. Also, uh, Hockney expressed understandable confusion about what exactly NFTs are. What is it that they're owning? I don't really know. Hockney continued while going on to question how exactly permanent ownership of NFTs can be guaranteed. Things can get lost in the computer, can't they? <laughs> and they will be in the future, lost in the computer, even when the cloud gets going. There's going to be so much of it. How will you find it? What is, what is he talking? I mean, ho- I know um, Hockney's an old guy, but like when the cloud gets going? Yeah, when the cloud gets going. Computing and, the cl- and or the cloud works. For one, I'm almost it's surprised that enough. he even brings up the cloud. <laughs> For two, what is he talking about? The cloud get isn't the cloud. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. It's a pretty established thing. <laughs> it's like he, someone told him a secret about the cloud, and it's going to get going soon. Listen, this cloud's about to get going here. So, uh, <laughs> there's what does he say? Um, Beeple, the suddenly famous art world star whose NFTs sold at Christie's for $69 million last month. Okay, well, I don't know what that means. Beeple. Well, um, yeah, I mean, Beeple's NFT sold for $69 million, um, which is the third most expensive work uh, by a living artist. I get it. Oh, I see. Okay, and then... So they're talking about Beeple's uh, NFT here. Yeah, yeah. Cockney goes on to say, I saw the pictures, but I mean, it just looked like silly little things. And the artwork was called, the Beeple artwork, it's called Every Days, the First 5,000 Days. Cockney goes on to say, I couldn't make out what it was, actually. So, I don't know. I Let's take a look. Maybe uh, all the listeners can have a look at this thing. Every Days, the First 5,000 Days, and... Uh, Tweet us at Coonscapades and see if you can make it out. See yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of thumbnails, like, of dumb little people artworks that he made one a day for 10 years or something like that. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've looked at people's artwork. Like, he has, like, obviously he makes NFTs and he's like this, he runs this NFT site, uh, but... He also just makes like art, you know, like paintings, and there are prints and stuff like that. And they're they're really bad. I mean, it's really horrible. The the art is really bad as as a work of hmm. art. But what am I to say? Most of the art I look at, I think, is bad. So yeah. how does people uh, how does people person get so much hype? Just by being like an NFT baron, you know, mm-hmm. being an, one of the, the first people to kind of mm. invest in this concept of NFT. And then um, he runs one of the main sites that 
you know, you can like create and and trade NFTs on. So, but yeah, I mean, this is a whole thing. I mean, it's so new. It's pretty much happened during our ham radio tour. Like it, it yeah. I don't think we even brought up NFTs on any of our episodes before because it's such a kind of new concept. It's, you know, art, virtual art that's saved on the blockchain, you know, and shared. And it has blown up over the last, what, about four months mm-hmm. and since about the new year and, you know, has been huge. Uh, millions and millions of dollars, maybe billions, have been, you know, spent on these virtual artworks and there are a bunch of people out there there are a bunch of large name artists out there like you know richard prince is out there he uses a pseudonym but it's one of his well-known pseudonyms um there's a few other big name artists out there that are making them there's banksy's out there what's that and john killed up mr let's paint he's been cranking out nfts Mr. Let's Paint, that's what you yeah. want to get. That's what you want to get in on. Absolutely. Now, but, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tim, didn't you do an NFT and didn't you gift it to Richard Prince? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, one of the one of the crazy things about these NFTs, I mean, like these sites that you can make them on or save them on or buy them on, they're it's so new. That the the sites, even though they're made by these total computer nerds, they feel it feels like the internet 1995 or something. It's like oh, nets, really. yeah, Netscape. Level. Yeah, it's seriously, it's very weird. And maybe they like that, you know? Maybe that's just nostalgic to them or vintage or something. But um, but yeah, if you gift an NFT to someone, um, it ends up in their. It, it's sort of like. Uh, publicly in their collection and you can't really tell if they bought it or if they were given it or whatever so like you know I gifted one to Lindsay Lohan I gifted one to (laughs) Mark Cuban like just kind of playing around with it you know because I I wanted to get in there and kind of like try to figure it out Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not against the concept of it. Most of the art on there and NFTs are like totally outrageous and stupid. But so is a lot now of you've, art. You you you've made a couple few of these, right, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I'm kidding. Because I weren't you. We had talked. I don't know a few couple weeks ago, and you were saying it's gotten more expensive to make one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very. It's complicated, but because it it works on the Ethereum blockchain, and when you when you make one, you know it has to go through this whole process of becoming an NFT, where it has um, where it has like because for it to be non fungible, which basically means it's unique. So you can make an addition of ten of them, but then there's ten. Each of the 10, each one of them has a unique number, basically. So it is this unique digital object. I don't know, object's probably the wrong word, but digital thing. Um, So to go through that whole process of like minting it, they call Mm -hmm. it, uh, there's 
there's a cost to it and you have to use like ethereum gas to make it happen and that fluctuates based on a lot of different things it seems like what what it's trading at how many people are using it so it can fluctuate and it can be really expensive because i thought it would be fun to make them if they were if it was cheap and to like trade them with your friends you know if it could become like a better more user-friendly um social media platform where you could trade trade these objects that you make that are limited edition it seemed kind of fun to me but then when it was like oh it take it cost fifty dollars to make them and then it you know what i mean just like the fee and then to give them away or to buy them on top of the price that you pay you have to pay this gas fee to have them made so oh are you yes. sure it's gasoline though really i should just try gas. it again jesus jesus that's gasoline yeah and there's that, all, that I part mean, there's, turned me off there's a lot of questions about the environmental cost oh yeah is the how much electricity consumption is yeah, it's it's part really of it. There's I'm, lo I'm looking at something that says Ethereum mining consumes about 26.5 terawatt hours of electricity a year, nearly as much as the entire country of Ireland and it's almost 5 million residents. Yeah. And I so. guess down the road the mining energy could come from renewable sources, but right now yeah. There's so using converting is... fossil fuel. Yeah. So that's pretty, makes the whole thing and just the blockchain and sort of cryptocurrency in general, like maybe not super sustainable or at least questionable or problematic or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm sure that there's point counterpoint around that piece, but yeah. Seems like if we could get this episode out to David Hockney, uh, maybe he would feel like he understands it a bit better. Oh yeah, we could explain the maybe the cloud, the whole cloud thing. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it seems like basically no one knows exactly what's going on with this shit. Um, there was a headline that I read the other day that was Takashi Mirakami. So Mirakami pauses his NFT sales so he can have more time to figure out how they work. So mm -hmm. he went through the whole trouble of making the damn things, putting them out there, and then people were bidding on them. And then he freaked out because he was like, actually, I don't even know how this, I don't even get this stuff. So. That's the best part, or one of the best parts is the media coverage of NFTs where the, the journalists try to explain what they are and how it works and it's it's such this circular language and it's yeah. it's so difficult to clearly explain and the writing is just hilarious to try to yeah. do it yeah totally and sotheby's had an auction recently of nfts and they made it brought 17 million dollars in um, for that auction and one of the main things that was sold was a non, an open edition thing that was actually fungible, I guess, um, of uh, these black cubes by an unknown artist. And they were $500 each and tons of them sold. I think it's just because they were being sold at Sotheby's, whatever. 
It's just weird stuff. There's stuff that doesn't make sense. Like a Banksy, like a Banksy print, a real life Banksy print, was going for less money than the NFT, NFT. Banksy print of the same image. Hmm. The NFT sold for like 10 times the amount. So there's definitely like a lot of hype in this market. And it's, there's, you know, there was a huge bubble that has since kind of crashed down. And I think maybe it's correcting itself, but I think it's also too new to know if it's correcting itself or it's just going to kind of crash or people will lose interest or it'll just be this kind of parallel thing or if it'll like totally disrupt the art market i don't know i mm -hmm. kind of don't think it will totally disrupt it but maybe a little. Or in the meantime hoard them like beanie babies and yeah hope for the best yep i think it's time to move on to our crimes our crimes please Crime has a personality. I deserve four million bucks. I get two million more. Oh, is that your man? Of course. Think you'll get me? All right, we got our crimes, and this isn't really a crime, but this is—I guess this is sort of news and a crime. Crime-related. Crime-related news. Interpol, the International Criminal Police Organization has gone into the app business. The group's new ID Art app lets users upload photographs of artworks, which are then checked against its database of stolen pieces via image recognition technology. This is coming from Forbes magazine. Um, sounds like a fun way to kill some time at an art fair. And if there's a match, a pop-up apparently lets you notify the authorities. Uh, this thing is some serious functionality, we're told. It can also be used to create a private inventory of work for the mm -hmm. user to make reporting easier in the event of a theft of your work as an artist. And it can be used uh, to help highlight at-risk heritage sites. I wonder how that works. Interpol said that during the app's testing phase, Italian Carabinieri, which is like the federal police, I think, uh, used it to identify two stolen statues that were available for sale online. So it works. Sweet. And um, another uh, feature to the app is that there you can contact Kunzkapades direct for uh, to submit the tip, and then of course we can facilitate the deal and uh, possibly get you some reward money. Uh, yeah. So. Yep. So very this possible. Is a, this is very. This is a big. This is big news uh, in the art crimes world. And we're happy to be recognized by Interpol and to be working in partnership with them. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. The Carbonari. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we don't. We don't. I don't know. But should we, we probably shouldn't express proud to work with the police organization forget that <laughs> Special hey, Italian Carabinieri yeah I trust uh, those guys <laughs> we know nothing about I'm yeah I'm sure they're absolutely terrible <laughs> they might they might be alright <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah they're, pr they're probably great 
Italian, yeah, federal police. I'm sure they're just way all above board, 100%. It is pretty interesting, though. You think about just, you know, holding your phone up to some, uh, you know, you go to a garage sale and you might uh, discover something that you might not have known was uh, yeah. was wanted. You know, exactly. it, might be, it might be big money in this uh, reward, especially if you contact Coopspades uh, at gmail.com and, you know, with your hot tip. Or at netscape.biz. Yes. Yeah. A, a new old account that we're using. We're keeping it open for that, just for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of potentially locating some, some stolen work and just your daily business, you could maybe come across one of the stolen works from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist from 1990 all those all those pieces still out there still floating around who knows where yep all those finials you think about all the finials you can take pictures of to see if you can find that stupid finial we're talking about this is a robbery the netflix oh yeah they made the netflix thing after we talked about it forever yeah they finally listened up and made a made a documentary which is all the rage which is all the rage we were not interviewed for it which no true a little bit of sour grapes there but so be it um i think the well one of the most compelling thing we we've talked about this for a long time we know a lot of the ins and outs the theories the players uh, but something we do get to lay eyes on in this series is Richard Rick Abath, who was one of the two guards at the museum who actually buzzed in the thieves who were dressed up as cops. Uh, and there's lots of, there's lots of, what do you call it? What do you call it? Reenactment footage of him and his long curly hair and beard wrapped up in duct tape down in the basement of the museum while the the theft was being carried out. So with his tie-dye shirt under his guard's shirt and his his, uh, fanny pack. Yeah, they really focus on they that. Really, huh? They really focus on that. him unzipping and zipping that fanny pack. You know yeah. there was a hacky sack in there. Drug. Um, yeah, guess. probably some weed. A hack. Mushrooms, acid. Weed. <laughs> Grateful Dead tape. Bootleg. Bootleg. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Concert bootleg. But yeah, they really focus on that guy. That seems to be like this this thing they really want to get through our heads. Like something's messed up with this guy and his beard and his, you know, crazy hippie lifestyle and the way they taped his face. They keep showing that taped up oh face. Oh my God, and like, the, real, the real bad duct tape job. Yeah, just... which seems, you know, questionable, right? Like, why did they, why did they not really like tape his eyes shut? Why did they worry so much about giving him air to breathe? You know what I mean? So I definitely think, I think he's an idiot. Like, I don't think he did it, but I think he probably let some shit slip at a party or something, and some 
some gangsters knew they could get in through him, you know, they just used him, um, because he's just a fool. <laughs> I don't know if he's a fool, I think he was like a very underpaid... Yeah, 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 yeah. Working yeah. in the middle of the night, these cops show up. I don't, I don't blame him. He's yeah. Listen, I mean, he doesn't. He didn't get paid enough to, to right, to, right. To try to put I'm, put himself on the line for whatever was going going on. Yeah, I'm sure they cornered him, got a bunch of info out of him, and threatened him probably heavily. And he seems like he was definitely a part of it, but. We were talking about this before, how ridiculous it is that, like, any other business that had money or property or anything on the premises that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars would have, like, state-of-the-art security, they would have, like, real security guards, but, like... Of course, museums are just hiring like a random student, some hippie who likes to get stoned a lot. There was the old guy who wouldn't show up a lot. Like, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's why I, that's why I feel like it'd be so easy to pull off an art heist. Yeah, because the, the people who are entrusted with especially those those nighttime shifts are just barely taken care of yeah or not really taken care of financially or in any other way so yeah it's messed up obviously um full disclosure i have only watched two of the four episodes i just imagine that there's lots more close-ups on the duct taped face and beard and lots more uh, thick Boston accents that remind me of home. Yeah, there, there, there definitely <laughs> are a whole lot of that. And, um, you know, being as close as we are to the heist, it, we don't learn anything new. The only new thing that we really saw was this guy's face taped up. I never really knew about him either. They didn't talk about him all that much. Um, and definitely not as a suspect. And, you know, and the fact that we weren't interviewed and the fact that Arthur Brand, Indiana Jones of the art world, who was definitely hot on this case, was not interviewed or talked to. Yeah, which is total balloon because the camera loves him. The camera loves him. He's great. So, um, so speaking of Brand, I have a call out to the public. Commit creative crimes for a good cause. Koontz Detective, starring Indiana Jones of the art world, Arthur Brand, is looking looking at a potential third season. I bet none of you guys have even seen season one or two. It's all in Flemish or something. Um, So do your part and drum up a couple of new tantalizing art crimes for our our man on the case, Arthur Brand, to dig into. He's currently trying to get us all hot under the collar about the missing snuff boxes from the Rothschild's mansion, but it's just not working. So, come on, guys. There's got to be something. Season three. Season, Season three. three. Maybe, it could, be a, maybe it could be a big virtual NFT crime. Maybe he could be hot on the case of a stolen 
Beeble blockchain thing or something. Absolutely. Now that we got our, we all got this new ID art app, we can all. Who needs the Indiana Jones of the art world anymore? Anyhow. Yeah, he's. His brand might be losing. Yeah, might be losing biz. His time has come. Let's face it. Let's face it. We need to take over. Us yeah, armed so. with that app. Join and the process. Italian Carbonari. Yeah, our friends over there at the Carbonari. <laughs> <laughs> our, it's yeah, Italian Carbonara. Mm. Mm. I have a hankering for some, for some. Uh, Carbonari. Okay. I, I uh, <laughs> should we should we fire up a Craigslist special for the listeners? Please do. We have a bittersweet one God today. Uh, I I just I latched onto it because of this very sad and poetic the the line placement. It, it looks like a poem. The description of this piece. So it is Baby Angels by S. Kellyum for sale for $4,500 in Cupertino. Uh, two, it's a sculpture of two cherubs. And here is the description, which I will attempt to read with, uh, to read with the line breaks as they appear in the Craigslist set. Okay, famous artist in Las Vegas, Two of his items are on eBay for much more money, $10,000 and $15,000. I'm motivated to sell my baby angels for much less for need of money at this time. Damn. That's tons of tough. Yeah, yeah. What's your, when you're taking your baby angels to the pawn shop? Oof. You know you hit rock bottom. To the Craigslist Arts and Crafts for Sale section. Ooh. Yeah. Man, it really it really does look like a poem. It's awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Did it's you ever notice sad. on um, Reddit when someone writes like a comment that just happens to be in haiku form? There's like a haiku. <laughs> oh, bot. Do they have There's a haiku bots? bot that turns it into haiku. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love that. Love that. Maybe anyway. maybe we ought to picture these baby angels and make sure they're not stolen because this sounds like a bit of a it sounds like a bit of a you know let's get rid of these things quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. No, these the things are intense too. These things look like they could have been housed atop a crypt or something. They do look like really? they, just in the shape of it. Like the t- it looks like the top of a, a coffin really, topper. Yeah, coffin toppers. Hey, yeah. Casey, Casey's coffin toppers, come on yeah. down. You're right. It's part of the anyway. crypt services, all <laughs> kinds. Well, shoot, give the give this person an offer and pick up these sweet baby angels and help this person out in the Cupertino. 45 hundo. Or best offer. Yeah. I think the end is near. Yeah, end is near. Well, you're just in time for what might be a very unhappy ending. Run for the hills. Better keep. Run for the hills. 
All right, the end is near, and that means ongoing shows and possibly some openings. We got a Gallery 16 show that just opened that's going to go through June 12th. It's called The Violets in the Mountains Have Broken the Rocks, Part 2. Again, that's open, uh, just opened last weekend, and that's going to run through June 12th. That features a bunch of artists, some uh, some who we've had on the show here. Uh, Park Life also has a show that just opened up, and that's going to run through June 7th, Night Diver Press and Friends. Night Diver Press is a East Bay Press, and uh, a bunch of other East Bay um, printers are in this show. Um, some of them are, uh, let's see, Sun Night Editions, Floss Editions, Tiny Splendor, Night Diver Press, of course, and some others. These are independent print studios, and they'll present new prints, books, zines, paper goods, and other artist editions. And lastly, Namjoon Paik just opened at SF Moment. That's pretty cool. It's a huge uh, survey, retrospective, if you will, and uh, a lot of TVs in there. Awesome. Uh, I can't, yeah. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, same. Same. Oh, I got a couple from the sack scene. The cool yeah. to sack. Uh, <laughs> if you if you like, uh, over at Public Land, there is Ario To Jojo. Um, sorry if I didn't get that right. That's on till June thirteenth. Uh, it's a Los Angeles-based artist. Uh, it's a new body of work called Five Three One Eight Hundred. 8618. Anyway, it's a lot of smaller size paintings, a lot of kind of like UFO, a little bit impressionistic paintings of kind of like UFO events. And um, they're super cool, actually. Awesome paintings. I really like them. Um, Should we try call on that? That's the phone number, right? Oh, maybe that's the phone number. Yeah, that's why it's entitled that. That's a good call. Maybe we should call that up. Maybe we should call it up, see what it says. Yeah. Do we? Do you want me to call right now? Sure. Yeah. Why not? I never. I never. I never realized. Maybe we'll get to talk to the artist himself. Yeah. Hold on. Ario. Yeah, I saw it the other. Saw the show just the other day. For more information, go to bestphonenumbers.com. Bestphonenumbers.com. <laughs> hmm. That must be one of the best phone numbers. That's why. Premium right. well, phone number. Good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that's a great show that's going on right now. And then uh, this is one that for people who just missed out, Jody Connolly, Fractured River, Garage on the Grove. That just ended over the, over the last weekend. Awesome show. Great show out there. Garage on the Grove. Check them out. Look them out mm -hmm. online. I'm not sure what's out there, what's going on next, but we'll keep you tuned. Something good, I'm sure. Uh, on the cool de sac. Indeed. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, don't forget to submit questions you have for us via email to coonscapades at gmail.com or Twitter at coonscapades. Thank you and bless you. <laughs> and thank you very much to all of our guests. Yes. Bless you. All of our oh, guests. Lord. All of our guests. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Great Josh. Great to see you. Great to yeah. see you. It's been, it hasn't been long since our uh, road trip residency uh, with the ham radio hijinks. But yeah, I miss being in the sweaty van, the sort of 
horizontally moving gondola across the country, but here we are Going back through. for KC Classic. That's right. All right, till next time. Till next time.